Somewhere in the bowels of the city that never sleeps. Kevin McCullough, radio host with Salem Media. Is a man also not sleeping. Syndicated radio talk show host Kevin McCullough. And that guy would like a word with you. Many of you know him from as Votes for Damas. Of course that Kevin show is going to be great. The only thing that could be greater, of course, would be that Donald show. We don't have that, so we have that Kevin show. Featuring the music of Dick Tunney and the Dream in Color Orchestra. Gloria Gressis, the Super Bowl maven, a mugging of New York City proportion, sketch comedy from real Adam Rose, and Tyrion back in the spotlight. And now from Times Square, where two women were overheard talking, one wants a love affair worth writing songs for, but neither of them will date someone poor enough to actually be in a band. Here's the... That is pretty mean when you think about it. I mean, I've known a lot of musicians. Good people. I have been one. Different points in time. Hey, coming up this hour, speaking of a mugging of New York proportion, we are giving away that Kevin Show mug. You see it on your screen right there, the white one with the black logo or the black one with the white logo. You have until 1040 Eastern to get your email into thatkevinshow at gmail.com to qualify for the drawing. Thatkevinshow at gmail.com. Let's get to the news. Assignment Desk Weekend. I'm Kevin McCullough. The long-expected verdict in Donald Trump's civil trial was handed down on Friday afternoon. Judge Elgernon, who took to the job of elected judging after his stunning career for Mad Magazine as former cover model Alfred E. Newman, announced a verdict of a fine of more than $350 million dollars and a three-year ban on being allowed to do business in the state of New York. Now, by comparison, O.J. Simpson only had to pay $30 million in the aftermath of murdering Nicole Brown and housemate Cato Kalin. What was Trump found guilty of? Well, according to Attorney General Letitia James, or as her friends call her, Tish Albert, Donald Trump applied for loans. Now, the questionable nature of these loans uh, was that they came from New York banks. And he got the loans, get this, so that he could build huge buildings, because we know that that's suspect. On top of that, he gave lots of people jobs, and then he paid back the loans. Uh-huh, see where we're going with this? And he paid them back on time, with interest, and according to the letters of the contract of the loans. What was he thinking? Assignment Desk Weekend, by the way, wants you to just imagine, just ask yourself for a second, what would they have done to him if he'd actually broken the law? President Biden this week is criticizing lawmakers. <clears throat> He's disgusted 
that they have yet to fix the problem at the border, the one that he created. And he's also disgusted that they have the gall to be taking vacations when the congressional calendar says they can. The city of San Francisco has just appointed its first non-citizen to serve on its elections commission. So now someone with no loyalty to America gets to help determine the veracity of the integrity of the elections in that newly formed republic known as Mexifornia. In sports news, Patrick Mahomes seems to have indicated that uh, he knew the outcome of the Super Bowl prior to the actual playing of the game last week. This headline immediately spurred several conspiratorial right-wing podcast hosts known as incels to immediately begin producing new episodes counting the available eggs of female pop stars. Because that's what you do, right? But alas, Mahomes was only referring to a boastful text that he had sent to friends expressing great confidence in his teammates the night before the game. The undeterred podcasters are still waiting for a certain singer to make an endorsement in the presidential race of 2024. They told us that she, that a pop star and her boyfriend were going to win the game so that they could announce an endorsement so that they could rig the election. They must have missed the news, though, because it's already been well documented that Miley Cyrus has already insisted that this year she's voting for Cher. Do you believe in love after love? For Assignment Desk Weekend, I'm Kevin It's your boy. Big Tucker. It's your boy, Trump the Dud. Hey, hey. Hey, 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 how did I get in the yeah, studio? Yeah, yeah. Everyone saying Russia, Russia, Russia. Fake news, no wonder no one trusts ya. The United Nation filled with suckers. The only journalist I trust is Tucker. Everyone saying Russia, Russia, Russia. Fake news, no wonder no one trusts ya. The United Nation filled with suckers. The only journalist I trust is Tucker. They tried to stop me from interviewing Putin. The whole world lost their damn mind and they're proven. The land of the free just not speech, just confuse it. And pull up on Big T, you know that I'm shooting. I'm just a journalist getting to the truth. CNN and Fox are dead. No one cares about the news. Legacy media doesn't appeal to the youth. These politicians don't give a damn about me or you. Me or George Stephanopoulos and Barbara Walters interview Putin and so did other reporters. But as soon as Tucker goes to Kremlin, quick, call the lawyers. Apparently, I disrupt the whole new world order, protecting Ukraine before our own southern border. Start another foreign war so they can money launder. They want me to apologize, but I'm not sorry. The left is just mad me yeah. and Putin did karate. Everyone saying Russia, Russia, Russia. Fake news, no wonder no one trusts ya. The United Nation filled with suckers. The only journalist I trust is Tucker. Everyone saying Russia, Russia, Russia. Fake news, no wonder no one trusts ya. The United Nation filled with suckers. The only journalist I trust is Tucker. Hey, hey. How, how did I get in this studio? Trucker, trucker. I, I wasn't a. Why what? I was an eight. I drove a truck. Tell Trucker Carlson that I drove a truck. Putin, who? Putin. My family used to live in Russia. By, by, I, Ireland.
in Russia, Irish Russia. I'm Irish Russia. I know a Russian when I was younger. And he, he was a bad dude. He would, he would rub the head on my legs, this Russian, this Russian man in the back of an alleyway. Someone tell this Vladimir Crouton that he's got nothing on Scrape and Joe. Everyone saying Russia, Russia, Russia. Fake news, no wonder no one trusts you. The United Nation filled with suckers. The only journalist I trust is Tucker. Everyone saying Russia, Russia, Russia. Fake news, no wonder no one trusts you. The United Nation filled with suckers. The only journalist I trust is Tucker. love high res the rapper thanks guys for some funny stuff tonight coming up yet this hour your chance to qualify for a that kevin show mug have you sent your email that kevin show at gmail.com we give it away in the 1040 slot that kevin show at gmail.com not too late right now send an email coming right back ready or not we'll be right back McCullough, very glad to have you with us uh, from Times Square in New York, and I am very excited to introduce my next guest, uh, because at, at, by a series of serendipitous uh, steps a number of years ago, the two of us were able to work together on a film project, and out of that has grown a friendship that I uh, am very thankful for, and she is very busy tearing up everything in her path from Super Bowls 
to uh, policy in the Middle East and anything else that she can get her hands on. You you want to be around this uh, this cyclone of energy and enthusiasm because when you have gotten to spend time with Gloria Garces, you know that your life has uh, benefited from that. Uh, she is the CEO and president of her company, Nanagon Enterprises, and she joins us now. Gloria, welcome. <laughs> Intro. Who wants anything else? I think we can end. So now I can record it, tape it, post it on social media. We're done. There you go. There you go. Well, Thank speaking you. of the Super Bowl, uh, you just saw the one they held in Kansas City. Wasn't uh, quite like the one that you guys had in Miami. But what was your takeaway? You know, don't say anything. But I did not see it. <laughs> yes, I decided not to watch the Super Bowl this year. It was kind of. I just been. Were I you just rebelling against the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, uh, uh, nonstop you know, craziness. Honestly, I said I am going. You know, I had other plans for Super Bowl afternoon or evening, yeah. and everybody hates me for it. They're like, "How is it possible? <laughs> not, how can you not watch the Super Bowl?" But I said, "You know what? We have great recaps. I'll see everything tomorrow morning." There you go. There you go. That project when you when you were. When you were on that, that that was like two years of your life to set up that game, wasn't it? Yeah. So usually when you work for the host committee in the city, it's a three-year contract. I came wow. in a little, a little later. And that's something most people don't know about, right? How the NFL actually does do great work in every city that hosts a Super Bowl gets beautifully impacted by the work of the NFL and what they're able to to mobilize with the individual host committees in the cities. I mean, there's capital improvement projects in schools and parks. There's work for uh, small businesses. We had in our Miami Super Bowl, we also had um, a whole environmental initiative with the water in the oceans and on the in the Everglades, which is where we get most of our drinking water. So it was a big awareness. Um, campaign and we did sure. other cleanups and things like that around that and then we had a no sex trafficking campaign where we united over 300 nonprofit organizations and police and different you know agencies governmental agencies to help curtail what happens around major sporting events which is it's pretty sad no, I, it is and I remember that you made that a plank of what you guys worked on and it was and it was um Remarkable because none of the other cities to that point had had made that uh, statement, uh, particularly in the fashion, the boldness with which you guys did. So I was thankful to uh, see all of that. And it's true. Uh, as my listeners and viewers know, we've helped liberate 4,200 slaves in the last uh, uh, five years, and we continue to press forward with that work with Christian Solidarity International. But it's such, such an important thing. Um, I have so much I want to talk to you about because aside from the geopolitical stuff that you're involved in and the and the corporate stuff that you're involved in you also have a tremendously passionate support for the nation of israel and i don't remember all of your story but i know there's some personal connection involved in all of this but um you have been one of the few bold enough people to go over there since october 7th and kind of get an assessment for yourself of where things are at and speak with the people that are on the ground um, let's, let's focus on that for a little bit. What is the current condition that you saw with your own eyes in Israel right now? 
So one of the things before going to Israel, you know, I have been to Israel a few times before, and I guess a big fear I had was, okay, what am I going to encounter? You know, you've been to Israel many times before, whether, you know, you've been on pilgrimages or you've, you've been actually just to visit Israel, Tel Aviv, and how beautiful and vibrant it is. I was a little worried, you know, what am I going to encounter? I didn't go soon, you know, too, too soon after October 7th. I was there a few, a couple of weeks back. So it had been over a hundred days since, since the attack. Um, but it was, to me, two things were very impressive. One is that the resilience of the Israelis continues to prevail. I mean, it is amazing to see how people are still going out. They're still, you know, going to dinner. They're living their life. And I asked, I asked a couple of people, I said, you know, is it odd? Is it strange for you to see the restaurants full again, right? Because for a couple of months they weren't. And she told me, you know what? I think everyone little by little, even though we are mourning, constantly and we're mourning inside, we made it a point to live our lives because if we don't live, they win. And I thought that was very interesting how, you know, regardless of the fact that the alarms are still sounding, the missiles are still being sent, you know, while I was there, I heard the Iron Dome intercept five different Hamas missiles close to Tel Aviv where I was at. So you heard that, you know, I never had to go into a bomb shelter the whole time I was there, I was there for a week. I didn't have to go into a bomb shelter, but it is something that continues to happen, you know, day in and day out. They're going to work. They have to sometimes go into into the to the bomb shelter, into the room, um, and have to stop their work, have to stop their day. If you're driving, you have to stop and 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 follow protocol. So, regardless of the fact that that is their current reality, they chose, they choose and continue to choose to live. And that is something beautiful. It is beautiful about the Israeli people, something I think we all could learn. Um, on the other hand, I think one of the things that impacted me was being able to go to the areas that were attacked by Hamas, actually walk uh, one of the kibbutz, I went to Berry, which is one of the kibbutz in the border, and talked to one of the residents. She walked us around, told us all the horrific, horrific stories. And, you know, you're there and you're listening, you're hearing the mortars, you know, because of Gaza, it's less than a kilometer away. So you're hearing it at, the, at first, you know, you jump. And then you start getting used to it. And after you're there for about 45 minutes and you're hearing another mortar and you don't flinch, then you understand why is it that Israelis are able to live the way they live? Because for years they've gotten conditioned in a way to be uh, to be constantly attacked by missiles. What they had never seen was the terrible attack, uh, the the kind of attack that they were subject to on October seventh and eighth, because it went on more than one day. Right. And um, and to me, it is still hard for me to sleep since I came back from seeing that. from And mind you, these were areas that were already clean. The blood wasn't there. Bodies weren't there. But it was just, it's so horrific. And to hear the stories, it's its mind-boggling, Kevin. Um, we're speaking with Gloria Garces, who is the uh, CEO and president of Nonagon uh, Industry. And uh, she is doing a great job on so many different levels. But because of her unique passion for Israel and her opportunity to be there. Uh, just recently, we've talked with a lot of people that have been there 
in and out since the attack. Uh, but I wanted I want to continue to bring you updates on how things are going because I feel like it is important that the West not uh, lose lose sight of what the target is here. It is easy for us as the West to become distracted and forget completely about the horrific events of ten seven. Always glad to have you with us. Uh, we've got a lot that we're going to still cover on uh, today's broadcast, but I want to spend just a few more minutes with uh, Gloria Garces of Nonagon uh, Enterprises and all that she does. It's uh, Nonagon is a nine-sided uh, uh, geometrical shape. I didn't know <laughs> this. I'm not smart enough to know this. She told me that, but she she inter interacts in nine different areas of industry and life, and that's uh, what is the basis for her uh, corporation and what she does and why she does it. Uh, Gloria, we were talking about your recent visit to Israel, and I feel like it's important for particularly American leaders to go and to do what you've done. Uh, Governor Huckabee told me just a few weeks ago he did the same thing, um, and I think it's important for us to continue to do that and continue to tell the story here. And I'm curious, knowing your interest in public policy and you're not neutral when it comes to the elections you you are pro-american you advocate for people that are uh, insanely pro-american you want to make sure that america does what we should do uh, on the world stage as well i'm curious as to with what you saw how you're measuring what you're hearing from the presidential candidates uh, as we are now in the full you know fledged th throes of another election cycle uh, what what are you hearing from them? Uh, are they saying enough about Israel? Is there more that needs to be done? What's your advice to those that are running for office this year? Well, I think more than ever, it's become evident that the United States support of Israel is imperative, not only for Israel, but for the United States and for the the West in general. You know, before you you did your last at the end of your last segment. You were talking about that word, the West, and many people you listen to the West and they don't understand that there's a certain region in the world where they see us different. Not only do they see us differently, but, you know, in any of the groups that are backed by Iran, you know, we are the big Satan and Israel is the little Satan. And I think it is important that our leaders understand that if the West, I mean, I'm sorry, if Israel goes, the West goes. Mm. You know, Israel is that first line of defense and that it's extremely important for us and for the United States to continue supporting Israel. You know, I know that it is less and less popular to support Israel, particularly because of what we're seeing in social media. You know, the, the anti-Israel sentiment is growing by the second. So I applaud those of you, including you, Kevin, who are courageous enough to tell the truth and to not continue repeating lots of, you know, slogans and, and lies and half-truths that are just steering 
people in the wrong direction, and in many ways, very anti-American direction. Um, so I think it is important that our leaders understand that it is time that we not only continue providing Israel the aid that it needs, but give, give Israel the freedom to make those tough decisions they need to do and to finish the job for all of us. You know, it's a very difficult situation. What we're seeing right now, it's something that it's extremely complex. And I was actually in Israel for five days at the INSS, which is the International, uh, the Institute of National Security Studies, the University of Tel Aviv, listening and talking, having personal dialogues with the experts, the people that are advising the government right now, and just hearing what's happening. And I think that you know, Israel likes to say, you know, we can do this, we will win. Yes, but you know what? They need the support of the United States. We need it more than anything. And I think if us in the United States understand that by supporting Israel, we're truly supporting ourselves, if we if we just kind of flip the switch on that and we understand that by helping Israel, we are helping our own way of life, our own way of living and supporting uh, the United States and the security of the United States, I think everything would be different. So I really hope that our elected officials don't start dancing the dance of, oh, you know, it's it popular with our constituency that we're pro-Israel, is it not? And are we going to give our backs to Israel because of what it's popular to do? I think we need to see the bigger picture. What is the safest thing for the United States that is to support Israel? Well, that's well said. And I think that the values of the West... Uh, which have typically been uh, different than those that have been subjected to um, socialism, communism, uh, the progressive, regressive uh, thoughts of what we often refer to as the left. Um, I, I think that by contrast, we, we have to we have to continue to live those values out. Gloria Garces, appreciate you so much. Thank you for being with us, and we are going to have you back soon. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Kevin, for this opportunity and again for the work you do. And I keep on saying it. Kevin has one of the best voices out there. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Coming back from Times Square. Don't go anywhere. We're just having a little fun here on That Kevin Show. Stick around for more of That Kevin. Next, That Kevin Show with Kevin McCullough. this beautiful That Kevin Show mug. And last week, we said uh, that if you were emailer number seven at thatkevinshow at gmail.com, that you would uh, you would be the winner of one of your own beautiful That Kevin Show mugs. This is the white one with the black version of the logo. They're also available is a black one with a white version of the logo. We, we believe in equal time for black and white on the coffee mugs. Um, but it's time to draw that winner's name. And tonight, D. Bewley from Brownsburg, Indiana, you will have a That Kevin Show coffee mug coming your way 
You just need to let me know, do you want the black mug with the white logo or the white mug with the black logo? I like both of them. It's really hard for me to pick one because I like them both so much. Anyway, um, and we're going to give an, another mug away. So if you email right now or follow our YouTube channel, do either one of those. That Kevin Show 2023 on YouTube. You can become a follower there or send us an email at thatkevinshow at gmail.com. We will draw another name next week from everyone that has registered to try to win a mug this year. So if you emailed last week, you're still registered. If you email this week, you will also be registered. So email us, thatkevinshow at gmail.com, thatkevinshow at gmail.com for your chance to win a beautiful That Kevin Show white mug with the black logo or black mug with the white logo. Whatever you pick. If you win. All right. Uh, tonight, we've had a lot of fun. And it is kind of interesting to see the times that we live in. Uh, we started off the show with some breaking news. And um, it's not surprising that the uh, intensity of the race is continuing to uh, build up. And it's not just Trump supporters that are getting excited about uh, or worrying about the outcome of the race. In fact, this story uh, from Fox News yesterday indicates that the uh, people in the Biden administration are so worried that President Trump may return to office that they are, uh, what's the word? They're bracing for possible Trump win and they're installing roadblocks to try to stop him from reshaping government. Now, I want you to think about this just for half a second. Donald Trump came down the escalator however many years ago now and said that there was a deep state, that government was too big, that there was a sense of uh, not wanting to let the people's uh, will be expressed in how the government operated. They hated him so much for saying that, by the way, that they did everything they could to lie about him, Russia, 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 all the stuff that uh, that they did, they threw at him. They tried to impeach him twice. They've tried to say that he started an insurrection when he didn't. Uh, the judge uh, is now trying to bankrupt him in giving him this absurd uh, fine of $364 million for fraud that there was no victim to. Fraud that no one got cheated out of anything. Fraud that everyone that was a party to got paid back on time and according to the terms of the contracts drawn up. The only fraud that was committed in the case that Donald Trump uh, was part of is the fraud that is the judge, the DA, uh, and, and the prosecution in that case, which is why it's going to be overturned uh, in slapstick style at the next level. But that's a different story. We've already covered that. But I just want to point out that Donald Trump's been talking about the deep state organizing and working against the people since he entered elective office politics when he ran for president the first time. And now there is a report that is coming out of Washington that is actually identifying that Democrats are telling one another, we're going to put up roadblocks in the administration so that the president can't fire people that he wants to fire who aren't doing a good job. It is as though they are demonstrating 
that they are, in fact, a part of a deep state, an establishment class, a, a group of permanent bureaucrats that want to work over the American people. And they want to do it so badly that they are now telegraphing that this is what they want to do. And it's the Associated Press reporting it. It's not some conservative outlet. The Associated Press reported that a cabal of left-leaning legal experts, legal advisors, and others are urging the president, Biden, to prepare for the worst. Uh, this comes from Michael Linden, the former executive associate director of the White House of Office Management and Budget under Biden. He said, my impression is that the Biden administration is taking very seriously the potential threat of Trump being reelected and are trying to do things now. Nobody should be under any illusion that there's anything that this president can do in advance to prevent the next president from doing things that are very damaging, potentially catastrophic. But they're trying to build roadblocks into the in the in the bill that has aid going to Ukraine that they're still fighting about in Congress this week. They they they're trying to add language into that bill that if the president doesn't follow through on it once he's elected, that he can then be impeached. What more dramatic proof do you need that there is a bureaucratic class of deep state, anti-American, anti-American citizen professionals working in the government to keep you subjected than to see that they are doing it right in front of your very eyes? In fact, they're even talking about the strategy. This is what they hope to do. Put things in place so that a hypothetical Trump administration would require months or even years to unwind it all. That's a lot of mess. Friends, there are people in Washington, D.C. that do not respect you. And they don't want you to have the right to fire them if they're really bad at their job, but they want your tax dollars to pay their salary. And they're, they're advertising it. They're putting up the roadblocks. That's how little you mean to them. Ready or not, you'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, Tyrion. With foes on my left and fears on my right, they think that I'm all by myself in this fight. But they do not know the infinite size of the God who is by my side. Hey, on the fire, but my Goliath, standing in the shadow of the Almighty. I ain't lying, just testifying. Man, I'm talking about a
holds my world in his hands. The monsters I face don't make me afraid. Well, I know that I'm standing right next to him. The little dynamo known as Tyrion making a huge impact uh, in the world of music these days. And her newest single, Big God. Kevin McCullough, glad to have had you with us. Big thanks to everybody that's hung out with us tonight. Mark Davis, Ike Alex Epstein, Hi-Rez the Rapper, Real Adam Rose, Gloria Garces, and of course Tyrion in the spotlight. We'll see you next time. <laughs>